of the Outlaw Country Podcast. Today, we're lucky enough to be joined by C.J. Garden. So, C.J., appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure, brother. Thanks for having us. We thank you all. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have you. Um, I know you got a double album dropping here soon, so can you tell me a little bit about that and um, like when it's supposed to drop and what songs you're most excited for? Uh, well, I'm excited for all of them. If they weren't uh, if I wasn't excited for any of them, they wouldn't be on the album. Yeah. But I guess I had to give a, a fair brag about uh, Daddy Can See because that's our first single. That one goes out to my uh, to my father and, and my, my oldest son, uh, Bruce, who's Clint Garden third. I'm the second. My dad's senior. It's been a family heritage name. Uh, the title of the album is Tales of the Old West, Another Libations to Please the Palate because um, – I always liked the old snake oils that we used to have at the ranch. They'd have in the 1800s from the peddlers, and they always made everything on the verbiage really, uh, I guess, exuberant. You know what I mean? To make it sound like it was a lot more involved and and how and it was important. So I always wanted to do that with an album. So we gave it that lengthy name for that kind of classic cowboy and western heritage, which I think the whole whole uh, I guess theme of all of this has been that you know. Yeah. Is, is what, what was the reasoning for going with the double album? Is that something you've always wanted to do or just felt right? Well, it's hard to, it's hard to really tell our story in 10 songs. And I feel like this, uh, people have been calling it a concept album. And I guess, you know, I never looked at it that way, but they'd probably be right. It is a concept album. It's a lot about my, my past, my present, my future. Also with things that we've experienced, um, through the years and I wanted to bring my heritage uh, involved into it. Also, I'm an avid writer. Um, I write a lot, a lot more than I get the opportunity to really translate into music. So when we went in to the studio, uh, it started out, you know, like 14, 15, 16. And as, as I, we went through three, four or 500 songs I've written, uh, my wife said, stop giving them songs. <laughs> and so my partner, just Spivey, who's so with it, time jumpers uh jumped in and was like you know what yeah we we've got what we need here and as we went and started cutting songs um i write every day so certain things happened during 2020 that really kind of stuck with you you know what i mean it was losing joe diffie or don prine and and bringing bringing faith back home and bringing bringing uh I guess traditional country started really listening to songs that mattered a lot. People started streaming a lot. People started spending a lot of time at home, the internet by themselves. And uh, in doing so, it brought up a lot of things for people. And so over that time, there's certain songs that were written that we could not deny that made the album. And those are the songs that we put towards the end, you know, like uh, All My Heroes Have Halos, which is the closing track of the double vinyl. I wrote that the day John Prine died with my buddy who was on American Idol. Uh, Jimmy Charles and we sat there and talked about our dads and people that influenced us and that song kind of came out and uh, I knew at that time that that was going to be something that that needed needed to be said for people to you know who was all going through the same thing we were mm-hmm. uh, are, are all the songs or how many songs on there are just written by you and how many are co-writes 
Majority of them are written by me. Okay. Um, co-writes. And, uh, but there's only three or four co-writes on the whole album. Most of them are on my own. Gotcha. And they're marked on the back. Um, there is two songs on the album I did not write. But those, I always pay homage and respect to the people before me. Like Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, and every album I'll continue to do so. The next album I might hit the Highwaymen, I might hit Randy Travis, might do a Merle recut. But that's stuff because those are songs that inspired me as a kid. Very dear place in my heart. And uh, Ain't No Good Chain Gang was a Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash remake that we did. And I was in the studio. In our studio and sound kitchen, we had Struggle Jennings right next door, which was grandson. Struggle's big time rapper now. He was just really blowing up at the time during all that going on. And I met Struggle and we had, had got along really good. I liked his stuff. He likes mine. And even though I make country and he's a rapper, we thought to ourselves, man, this would be a really cool thing if uh, we if he did Johnny Cash's talking part, not did his, his granddaddy's uh, singing part. And so we recut that. And man, it just felt, it felt great, you know, cause struggle has been through those struggles himself and those tribulations and stuff. And, uh, the other one was, uh, one that Faye Whitley gave me on cassette tapes back when I first moved to Nashville and Faye was Keith Whitley's mama. And, uh, and she gave me a whole bunch of work tapes that Keith never actually did anything with. And, uh, one of them was bitch at the bottom. And I said to myself, I was always going to cut that like Keith did it and kind of pay respect to an artist that really influenced me a lot, which was Keith Whitley. And those are the two that we put on there. Um, there was a public domain song called Long Time Traveler. We did a rewrite on and made it kind of our own thing. And we have uh, a friend of ours who was on The Voice recently. I don't know if you know Kelsey or not, but uh, or Kenzie Rose. I'm sorry, Kenzie Rose um, on track 19. She's actually the... Uh, opening vocal and we kind of wanted an Allison Krauss style vibe on that. Okay. And uh, if you listen to track 19, I don't know if you've got to get any of that material or not, but I'll, I'll send you something you can listen to all tunes with. Awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. And uh, she starts out and it's kind of like that old brother where Arthur where the sirens are coming in mm-hmm. and Allison Krauss and Amy Lou Harris and all of them are singing that sirens kind of song. Yeah. It's a vibe at Kenzie wrote that and you hear this lonesome fiddle playing. And then we rip into that tune and we just tear it up, you know, backwards one way. It's, it's sick. It's my brother's favorite song. I call him my brother. was my best friend growing up as a kid, but called Long Time Trek. It's an old gospel hymn that was written in the uh, late 1700s, early 1800s. That's all. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'll have to check that out when, when the album drops. But what yeah. I wanted to ask you about is if Daddy could see the lead single, I know you kind of touched on that already as it being a pretty personal song. Was it clear right away that was the one you wanted to lead with? I think subconsciously in a heart was that song was something to, to me personal, but I didn't approach it that way. Um, I, I kind of let the songs all go where we were in. Uh, we put them in the order we wanted to present them in the and when we got with Dylan C and our radio promoter and our publicist and people, um, I try to keep personal opinion out of the way when you're trying to, uh, I guess, take your first step forward. And if, if somebody's going to look at this thing as a concept album or a compilation of music, you know, 
my opinion is not always the best opinion for the best song. So I get a, a voice of, of, of several opinions. And it was, and so Dylan then came, all came back and said, if daddy could see, it needs to be your first single. It, it just happened organically and it felt right. But uh, it was something they decided, not me. And, I, and in my heart, I, I wanted to do that because it was such a personal song. But the fact that, that people did respond, I think um, you can tell how much I was wearing my heart on my sleeve on it, how much it translated. And how, I think, honestly, how much we all relate to, uh, to that, that story and that situation and loss, you know, how much we look up to our dad or our granddad and people that moved us in our lives to shape us to be the, you know, people we are nowadays. And so, um, you know, it, I'm really, really, really thankful that it turned out like it did because, uh, that would have been my top choice anyways. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that song. And I think a lot of those songs in country music that, that touch on either a father or grandfather, uh, really hit home with me and a lot of people just because it's definitely something anyone can relate to, but yet at the same time, it's something that's very, very personal to each and every, everyone out there. So it's, it's I think a great subject for you to, to touch on. I think you did a really good job. Well, that means the world to me. Yeah. It was, uh, it was interesting, man. I, I, I still get a little, you know, choked up on stage even. You know, I haven't done that song out live because I, I get so emotional with it. And we was on Texas radio and I was out there at Dosey Does, um, which is in New Woodlands, Texas. And I sang it acoustically. And, and it was interesting because I did get choked up on the song, but made it through it. I was proud I was, made it, I was able to make it through it. But the cool thing was I did make it through it. And um, I could tell everybody in the audience really connected with it and that lot to me that's awesome that's, that's a yeah. great story to have and just reaction to, to playing that acoustically like was that one of your first times playing that uh, it was out it was one of my first times playing it out um since we recorded it because i think i was able to sing it better before we <laughs> recorded it because we put it on tape and then now it's playing back to me and and I hear it, and then we made that video with Ty King, who is our uh, videographer for G Bar Films. And Ty did such a great job. And I, you know, I I took it upon myself to play my dad's role, and my son played me in the video. Like when I grew up as a kid, I kind of showed him the, you know, the run of of what we did growing up on the ranch. And uh, when I put visual to the audio, now every time I play the song all I can do is see that video I watched and it's hard to make it through that video. So it, it makes it very, very real for me every time. And so now, now, so even more than, than before it, it hits me harder. Yeah, I get that. That was a really well done video. I, I watched it the other day and I liked it a lot. It was, it was really good shot. Of course. Thank you. There was, there was no prop there. That was uh that's all our rant. That was all, all working farm truck. Uh, that Jeep is my Jeep and that really that back is all our cattle ranch. Everything, awesome. everything on there. Um, that bunkhouse when it starts off was the bunkhouse I grew up in with my dad here on on the cattle ranch. Oh wow, that's really cool. Yeah, and that that old Jeep, the Austin Austin Jeep sitting there was a Jeep that me and him used to work on every year during deer season. And oh, uh it's still there at the bunkhouse under the awning. Oh nice. Yeah. 
one thing that got me really excited um, when I when I was first hearing about you is, um, of course, your double album. But then I was hearing about this really unique vinyl you're you're coming out with for the for the record. And I I love collecting country vinyls. I have a huge crate in my room. I was just wondering if you could describe that a little bit, like because it just sound from what I've read about it is really unique. Well, yeah, and I'll actually say one because you can't get one anymore. They're pre-orders. Um, the only way you actually can pick them up every week, we have radio stations that we allot five to each, uh, not radio, I'm sorry, record store. And then we have uh, Walmarts, we'll have W's, uh, but specific locations each week we'll be releasing five of them. Really? And that we need to keep going until the digital release. So we got, I think, about 300 of those that we've set aside. And every week we got about 30 or 40 of those going out to each location in different states and counties across the U.S. Um, and by the time we're done, there will have been 500 of those total at, uh, at 100 record stores or, or Walmarts or Cracker Barrels or a local truck stop. Um, people that we've worked out deals with to let them carry it. And so uh yeah it's uh yeah man it's it's got a ton of stuff matter of fact i mean we're we're video recording right i can grab one and show it to you yeah that that would be perfect yeah if you want to do yeah want to want to holler at me afterwards i'll uh i can i can send you one we'll get that information so that way you can have one hand add to your collection oh dude that would be awesome i appreciate that yeah absolutely i'll be right back brother give me a second okay yeah no worries All righty, this right here is one. This one goes to one of my family members. Um, one through 50 on the album here, if you look, this one's number 20. And I don't know if you can see that real good or not, but it changes. Oh, wow, that's cool. It's a hologram, and it goes from a cowboy to an Indian. Yeah. I take it out of the package uh, because the Cherokee Nation, uh, other than me being a cowboy, I have a strong Cherokee and Native American influence and heritage. Okay. So um, the uh, Cherokee Nation tribes translated this from uh, English text on the back of this. It's also written in uh, Sequoia Cherokee text and approved oh, by the of the Cherokee Nation and the uh, university. Oh wow, that's really cool. That's yeah, so unique. Yeah, and then the back of it has uh, buffalo skeletons roaming in the moonlight. And then it has the title of, of our label. Um, G-Bar Records was actually our G-Bar Ranch, which was established in the Oklahoma land run in the early 1800s. And, um, and then my granddad actually played music and hosted uh, festivals and events and rodeos here on the ranch. Oh, okay. And uh, G-Bar Records actually got established in 1970s, like 70 or 71. And so I can literally, uh, I reconstituted G-Bar Records again in Nashville here and at the Oklahoma offices and Texas offices. So we can say G-Bar Records established in 1971, which is pretty cool, you know? That is cool. But uh, as you look at this now, you can see a little bit easier. It transitions from Indian, Native American Indian, to a cowboy. I like that. That's that's really cool. Yeah, it's a hologram that was done by Opti 
print and fulfillment out of Texas there in Dallas. And then when you open this thing up, have a thing. And uh, the first 50 albums were dedicated to family and friends. So when you open this thing up, the cowboy and the Indian separate. And then the inside of the album looks like this, where you can see both sides. Oh, okay. And it has the title of the album and the artist. So you see the CJ Garten there. Mm-hmm. And then you can see the Native American side, Tales of the Old West, and other libations to please the palate. That is they're both, they're was both this holding all the your idea? Yeah. yeah. It's all stuff just from stuff I wanted to always do. And uh, the collaboration was done with Scott Yahtzee at Death Before Pop Country. And uh, he kind of came, you know, was able to come to fruition with it. Uh, it originally started as, as something I always had. Ed, and he called me one night when I was at the uh, NAM show in LA. He said, "Man, dude, I drew this cool ass ghost Indian, and I want you to I want you to make a song out of it." And I, dude, that's exactly what I've been wanting to do with this project. And it just kind of fell into place. I said, "But I want to make it where it's a hologram, like an old card that's moving." And I said, "I'd like for you to do a cowboy version of the same thing." And so we collaborated, went back and forth on ideas, and I said, "I think the best way to close it off." is um i love buffalo I, I grew up the heritage that's what really fed uh you know homesteading this this property back in the day the buffalo played a very important part of us settling this area and it was the lifeblood for the native american tribes yeah uh, so i only thought it was right to take the buffalo skeletons put them on the back of the close of the album and then i uh have a tattoo artist that uh, works with Arlo Di Cristini, which is a world-renowned tattoo artist out there in Elysium Studios, and uh, Adam Torres. And uh, when Adam was doing my ink work, I actually have a Native American headdress with beadwork on this, and it and it and it's, uh, it changes into buffalo fighting arm. Really? Yeah. And so me and him were talking, and I didn't have the center artwork for the album yet, and he designed the center artwork for the album. And then I had to put these together um, in the center artwork because it's a transparent album. And so the centers are made out of 24 karat gold that I had to put together by hand. That is awesome. I don't know if you get to see that very well. But on both yeah, sides, we- uh, you actually have 24 karat gold. So I can say my record's already gone gold. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That is badass. I really like that. Yeah. But the cool thing is, this is actually see-through. It's like a smoke. But um, the way we chose the colors, we went with a, a silver. And then we went with a, a black from black vinyl. And we went mm-hmm. with blood red. And when that mixed with the smoke, it has kind of a, a galaxy. So it's kind of like the stars in the sky or, and, you know, cowboy chaos, I call it, for the cowboy side. And then with the uh, Native American, to represent the uh, Native American side of it, we did the other album in turquoise. Oh, really? Yeah. And we did the turquoise with a, a yellow and uh, a red and vein. So it has a very true turquoise stone to it. And instead of the, the, the pistols in gold, we have it as a Native American headdress. Okay. So this is the. Uh... Wow, that turned out really cool. Yeah, the cool thing is, too, is when you look at this, uh, it's turquoise, and you can see all the vein and artwork and color in it, and and both albums are transparent. And uh, the greatest thing about this album, though, is when you take this outside, it has this cool turquoise color. 
it, it collects UV light and you take it back inside and the sound looks dark. Really? Yeah. Holy crap. I've, I've had, I've bought so many different albums and I've never seen one quite like this. This is really unique. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. That, uh, you know, that people keep telling me that, that, you know, I told them, you know, uh, I said, man, I want to, I want to give these guys who've been doing this in this business that, that really make unique product to, to compete with like the stuff they used to do in the sixties, seventies, back when art and art was music, they were trying to, you know, uh, exceed the boundaries. And I, uh, uh one of the coolest compliments is Pace Magazine did a write up and compared this to Jack White. Okay. So this should be some sort of grabby thing you'd expect from Jack White, newcomer out of Oklahoma. <laughs> and That's I was awesome. like, and, and so I told him, I took that part and I'm like, I'm going to be the Jack White of country music. And, uh, this is the only, the beginning, this is step one, but, um, every, every album we make, we're going to keep pushing those boundaries and we're going to keep making, uh, really exotic albums for the fans to have something that, that they can't just listen to, but are excited to, to get hold of and, and make it tangible again, make music that's, tangible. That's what drew me to vinyls at first. It's just, it, it, it's just something to have like in a whole, like when you're, when you're looking at a vinyl, like it comes with a lyric sheet or something like that, or posters, it's just something yeah. different. It's not just something on your phone that I enjoy just listening to it really. I don't know. It just gives you appreciation for the music more. I feel like it does. And the coolest thing about this is this is called a, a, a locked double vinyl and a locked sleeve double vinyl. And the way it works is you take the vinyl, you slide it back in there, you close this thing up and the inside of this uh, basically connects the, uh, the vinyls and holds them in place. So that way it protects your vinyl from coming out and falling out. Oh, awesome. Got really nice sleeves on the vinyl, so that way when you open, take the sleeve out, the sleeves are, are, are you know, a lot higher quality sleeve, and so that, that sleeve actually protects it, and you can still see the center of the titles. So when you do that, uh, we also put it in a poly bag, uh, so way that instead of it being shrink wrapped like a lot of the vinyls you buy nowadays, a poly bag is a fillable bag. So you take it out of the bag. You know, and if it's shrink wrap, then you have this. It can the elements can tear it up, things like that. With the poly bag, it can re-sleeve it every time, and that plastic protects it. Um, and then we have a thing called a golden ticket, and this golden ticket item is right here. This is one of the golden ticket items. There was two hundred out of a thousand was had a guaranteed golden ticket. This golden ticket was a Cherokee Nation alphabet. When you look at this, this Cherokee Nation alphabet, I picked this up when I was in fifth grade at the Pawnee Bill Western Museum and Cherokee Nation tribes. I got this in fifth grade uh, on a field trip for a dollar. And whenever I, uh, I I kept it framed in my room, and as I got older, I always kept that. And I thought it was really cool about the story about the wind talkers, how in World War II, uh, the Germans kept. Uh, breaking all of our codes and so they hired the Cherokee Nation tribesmen to come in and uh, it, the uh, Cherokee Nation um, Sequoia language was the only code they could not break so it helped us win the war yeah. and I thought it was really cool so I took this Cherokee alphabet and I turned it into a golden ticket item and put it on a golden certificate and I signed it and numbered each one 200 yeah. and wow. you get you, that and you, you get that time. this is awesome 
Like you, yeah. Take and then he bang oh, Give me a second. Sorry. You, you back? Sorry about that. My granddad was calling me. <laughs> oh no, no worries, no worries. Uh, I understand. I'll get to him in a minute. But uh, but then Vinyl Labs wanted to the pressing, so you get a Vinyl Lab sticker, and then you okay. get two car picks that on both sides of the uh, record. You there? You're cutting a lot. Yeah, people are calling me when I'm zooming. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, you're good. You're good. Uh, we got we got inclement weather too. So, but okay. So last but not least, with the double vinyl, uh, the other golden main golden ticket item is a real human X-ray. It's not a it's not a flexi. It's actually a real human X-ray. Can you hear me? Yeah. What, what? Could you repeat that again? I'm sorry. This is this is a real human X-ray. Really? Yeah. This is the gold. This is another golden ticket item. See that right there? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you can see it very well, but that's a an X-ray of a uh, of a human skeleton chest and collarbone X-ray. Okay. And that has playable music that's been lathe cut into it. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, and our, our song Skeleton Crew has been cut into this like an old lathe system from the 40s. Okay, gotcha. That's really cool. You can actually play this, and this comes from our Memorial Hospital here in Bristow. They were donated x-rays. Okay. So uh, that comes from a thing called bone music. If you're a vinyl collector, look up bone music and get off here. Bone music was created in the 40s. Yeah. War and the uh, Cold War, and during communism and yeah. uh, West influence like Elvis Presley, when rock and roll was becoming popular and jazz and blues, they weren't allowed to have that kind of stuff. It was considered treason. They'd get shot and killed. Oh. So to commemorate music, I wanted to recreate Bone again in today's time, like they did in the forties. That's awesome. And cool thing about it, this is that it bends and folds. So they could hide this. They could take this out, put their favorite Presley single, and they could put this around a pipe in their house, or they could put it around their sleeve and their arm. So if they got raided, they wouldn't be able to find anything that's Western influence, and they could still listen to their their music and their rock and roll. That's really cool. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that was a thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually they actually have a museum now dedicated to it. And if you go online, look up Bone Music on eBay, you can find old x-rays that have old videos and old, or not old video, but old audio from Elvis Presley or Ella Fitzgerald or Etta James, Jerry Lee Lewis, all the artists in the 40s and 50s, um, even Johnny Cash that's cut into human x-rays and you can buy them. They usually auction for a thousand bucks. Sometimes you get one that, that's uh, audio is not that great for like three, four hundred dollars. But um, we wanted to offer that. But yeah, I know it was a lot to take in, but that's that's the record, you know that that we put a lot of effort into it. And there's even some Easter eggs hidden that you had to figure out on your own. I didn't share with you. That's so cool. I I really like when artists take the time to do that for the fans. It really shows an appreciation for the fans, and I, that that is, I've never seen an album quite like that. I'm still kind of blown away. <laughs> well, awesome, man. Well, we'll make sure and get you set up, man. But when we I, get off here. I appreciate yeah. that. that. That's so nice of you. 
Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Well, and I then when you're, you're, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I said when you're done, just put it back in the sleeve, and it even has a holographic sticker on the back that sits right in the middle of the moonlight. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, which is the cowboy and the Indian, and it changes over. So, but yeah, enough about that. Sorry. <laughs> no, I I love vinyls. I could talk about. I could go all day. But I know you're at your ranch right now, and I was just kind of wondering. Um, when you were growing up on your ranch, did you always see yourself like kind of growing up and staying there, or did you know you wanted to leave and pursue music? From the day I was born, I made music. It was in my blood. Um, you know, I didn't choose that it chose me. I didn't know you could be famous for it. I didn't know you could go to I didn't know you could go to school. I didn't know it was a degree. Um, all I knew is whenever I was three or four years old, I was I heard people talk and it was music. I heard the full band. I heard things in my head, and that's how I interpreted life and understood it, uh, even emotionally. Like, if I went through emotions, I wrote songs, and I did it because it was therapeutic to me. Um, it wasn't until I was later on in my life I realized that this was a thing you could do. And so, for me, I just always knew I was born to make music and make songs, and, and, and that was a, something that saved my life as a kid growing up. When I couldn't understand something or when I felt a certain way, I made made music and I put it on paper. When I put it on paper, I turned it into a song. No matter what it was, whether it was negative or good or bad, it was it, it turned out always positive. It always resonated. And then when I sang those songs, I noticed how much people connected with them. And it uh, it was pretty cool because it it uh, you know the magic of music is is something that you know it transcends a lot of things in life, I think, you know? Yeah. It, do, do you feel that the experiences on your ranch have really uh, played a big role into your, into your writing and music? Oh yeah, absolutely. And experiences in all my life, but I mean, you know, growing up on the ranch shaped growing up how I grew up, you know, um, I kind of grew up in, in a very old school sensibility, even as a younger guy, you know, uh, there was still a lot of things happening, but it wasn't happening down here at the G bar. You know, we woke up and we tended cattle and we did the same thing we did, you know, 60, 70 years ago. And when I listened to radio, I listened to grandpa's radio. So I heard, you know, whenever Tim McGraw was out playing and Kenny Chesney and those guys, I was listening to Merle Haggard, Waylon Jennings, because that's what was on the tractors on tapes here. And I'm really glad I did because, um, that generation of music really speaks volumes to me. And I, it's really cool because I'm out now able to share that with, uh, with today, with today's artists and today's generation. So it's almost like getting a chance to recycle something, you know, not everybody knows who Waylon is anymore. I got a, right above me right now. I got a picture of him. Aha, I like that. Yeah. This is okay. This is a random question I got for you, but, uh, so your pastures on your ranch are they irrigated? You irrigated? No, no, no. We, no, it's all natural. We, uh, I know when you see certain properties, Arkansas does a lot of irrigation, but it also has a lot of flood area. Mm -hmm. uh, we have horse soil out here, red dirt clay. Mm -hmm. um, Oklahoma, the part of the reason why it had the Oklahoma land run back in the day is because this was such a harsh climate. Uh, it's low lying oak trees, uh, dense, high winds, a lot of briars, hard, hard brush, a lot of rock, sandstone. This was a very unforgiving climate. And so in, in order to inhabit that, you know, they had to bring people in and give away land just so we could inhabit this. Earth. 
and and to me i call it home it's you know but uh but no there there is irrigated properties uh whenever they have to run and and maintain for soybeans and and large farming crops but ours is more cattle ranch than a farming crop and uh so we we're, we basically run you know and graze and uh that, you know so that's something and we also have a lot of spring-fed ponds all of our ponds on our ranch are spring-fed a lot okay. of people hold in the ground and they'll raise uh raise the water levels to having a farm pond where they have it functioning problem is is during the drought those farm ponds dry up because they're just a basically a puddle of water um yeah, all of our ponds out here in the ranch have natural springs that feed them. So it's clear water. And when there is a drought, all the wildlife pretty comes pretty much comes to us. Gotcha. Well, I, I only ask that because I work for a company and we they manufacture center pivots. So I was wondering if you, if you irrigate your pastures or anything like that. It's just I recently started working for them. So it's something I'm kind of interested in. No, man, that's awesome. And it's important, too. Um you know, I know a lot of friends that do have irrigated properties, and it's very, it's kind of their lifeblood. It's a necessity because if those crops, uh, you know, those crops dry up, man, that's a whole lot of food. And, you know, like my granddad says, this food just doesn't fall out the air. People have to farm it and raise it. And yep. there's a lot of folks that ain't farming days because it's a hard thing to do and, and make a living do. But there's also, it's a, there's been a root. Since 2020, I feel like there's a rejuvenation of heritage and people are getting more involved in things, uh, again, which is important because we all have a part in the world, no matter what our jobs are and their, their necessity. I agree. I think you hit the nail right on the head with that. Absolutely, brother. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about for making music and kind of with the Nashville scene, I know that's tough for for people like us who are very into traditional country music what is what has it been like trying to trying to work with that scene down there is it is it hard to break through or, or talk to some people there that maybe don't like the <laughs> sound well you know it, it's not that they don't like the sound. um you have to look at it as everything has an evolution mm-hmm. uh, whether it be war, whether it be fashion music same way and when i moved to town pop was just blowing up and uh, that was what everyone was kind of riding it was kind of the blue jean ball cap um you know repetitive uh, rap style versus pop country music and i don't at all um it was definitely different because whenever you think of nashville and what people tell you nashville the home of country music you moved there it was hard to find country you know, to the way I understood it. And I think a lot of folks feel that way. For me, I, I've been on several labels there and I broke off to take my own path and journey because uh, I really just wanted the freedom of art. You know, Ray Charles, Johnny Cash, a lot of those guys had uh, expression because that was the time, that was the era. They had the freedom and opportunity to do that. And then today's contracts and, and legalities and stuff with Nashville and what's popular you know, you can't, it's not, you know, if they're succeeding and they're making money at it, you can't knock uh, the opportunity, but it's just, it just wasn't a fit for me. You know, it was trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And uh, I don't blame Nashville for that. I actually have an office there. I have a lot of great friends, a lot of great friends in the industry, but I realized that if I was going to be someone to do something, 
I'm not going to be someone to bastardize Nashville or bastardize Texas or anything like that. I'm going to be someone that says, let's all work together, but this is what I do. And if you embrace that, we can work together and we can, we can grow together. And, um, I feel like I'm more the person that says, uh, I'll work with anybody, but I'm here to bring country back to the masses. I'm here to bring it to national radio. I'm here to, to let the fans decide. At the end of the day, the only separation between me and you is literally me and you. That's it. There is no in-between. There is no uh, transition. There is no team that, that tells me this is right and wrong. It, we put out honest songs with an honest story. And uh, it comes from the Red Dirt Clay I grew up in, in my stories. And I think a lot of people relate to that. And so I think it's an opportunity. Randy Travis did it in the early 80s before I was born. And, uh, you know, it, it turned country on its head. I mean, when Kenny Rogers sang from California and Islands in the Stream, and, and, and that was a variation of pop country then. Um, and just like I said, war and fashion it has its cycles. And now the cycle, I feel like, is coming back. And, you know, her, you've heard that song, I Was Country, when country wasn't cool. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's kind of like that for me. I feel like it's starting to get cool again. And uh, if we can be somebody that's on the forefront of that and promoting that, I'm all for it. I agree. I like what you said there about trying to work with Texas and Nashville to try and bridge the gap. I think, I think it's slowly coming around. We can see there's, a, there's definitely a resurgence with the 90s sound in Nashville, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they can find some room for like real traditional stuff, like like uh, like a Waylon sounding or or CJ Garden sounding on the radio. I mean, well, and I appreciate that compliment. You know, to be compared to that, it's been very humbling. I get a lot of people who compare us to to that style of music, Waylon or Whitley or Merle, and and honestly, it's a, it, I think it's more of just an appreciation of if that kind of music you like, you compare it, and it because it's an emotion. Music has always been a feel, and that feel really reaches the working man. It really reaches the uh, the folks out that are that are making the world go round. You know, the the, the truck drivers, the uh, the enlisted army man, you know, the the nurses that show up, the teachers, everybody that that literally makes the red, white, and blue wave like it does. That, that get up every day and do those nine to five jobs or do those 60 hours a week putting in, they want to hear songs that reach them. They want to hear songs that they can relate to. And I think that's what country music has always been. Yeah. Is work fans music. That's why Merle had such a great relationship with the world and the community and, the, you know, and us as Americans, mm-hmm. because, you know, he was a voice for the working man. And I, I take a lot of pride in being compared to that and working together because nobody said that I like you or I don't like you. Merle grew up and he was born in California. He's from there, but he, he spent a lot of time in Texas and he spent a lot of time in Nashville, but they didn't, they didn't say I didn't like you or I don't like you. They, they worked with everybody. Willie, Willie Nelson's a living proof of that. So uh, I think if you just do your own thing and you stay true to yourself, People are going to relate to it and they're going to respect that. And I think Nashville, uh, you know, it sometimes just takes a little bit of course and, you know, a little, little proof in the pudding for them to kind of see it. And, uh, you know, everybody kind of comes around, but at the end of the day, music speaks volumes, you know, do you, do you by chance, do you know Dallas Moore? 
I do. I know. I know. I met Dallas. Um, I don't know him personally. We're not drinking buddies and stuff, but he he okay. he frequent places play. Uh, Jeb Brown out there in Illinois has got the backroom lounge. That congregation he, he plays there. He plays in Arizona, same place as we do. And uh, yeah. you know, yeah, Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. He's he's a friend of the show. We've met him in person. He's a great guy. And your your personality, your sound, and your appreciation for the guys that have come before you. You you two remind me a lot of each other. I, I see. And like, just, you got that traditional sound and like, I don't know, you, you, bo- you both, I was able to get along with really easily. So I, right about halfway through this podcast, I was like, God, he reminds me of Dallas. And that's, that's. <laughs> well, man, I look forward to it. Maybe me and Dallas can, 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 you know, pen ourselves a song one day. Those Maybe. guys like, and, and, you know, uh, Creed Fisher and Kendall Marble and, you know, Cody Jinx, all those guys are just doing what makes them happy. Yeah. And, uh, and the fans are respecting that and they're, and they're, you know, they're showing their support by supporting their music because at the end of the day, I'm just some cowboy with a guitar. Uh, you guys honestly have to be the one that press the play button, like button, press the follow button. And, uh, that's what really makes our dreams come true. That's, that's the coal to this train. And uh, without you guys doing that, and then you coming on inviting us on your podcast and everything else, we're we're just an, we're just another cowboy with a guitar. Well, I, I would disagree with that. I, I think you're more than that. I mean, we we did this whole thing because we usually it's me and my cousin. That's why I keep saying we. But he's a teacher. He's getting his masters. He's beyond busy right yeah. now. And uh, but uh, we we did this whole thing because we really wanted to shine a light on music. We felt deserved it. That wasn't getting the, the attention it deserved from uh, the mainstream in Nashville. And I, I even feel like there's some guys that sometimes Texas doesn't give enough love to as well. Like it's that slipped through the crack, like guys in Appalachia. So I, I just, I, I think you're selling yourself short when you say that. I think you're, you're doing a really good thing for country music and staying true to what, what you've Oh man, I, I really appreciate that. That's really kind of you. Um, you know, I don't mean to have the all shucks attitude any more than just, you know, I just showing my gratitude for, for, for how much you guys do, because at the end of the day, I'm going to continue doing what I do. I love it. It doesn't matter if I have 10 people or I have 10 million people out there, I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to live, breathe this and, and die doing it because that's what's in my blood. And uh, but but whenever, you know, you get people to say that and it moves you enough to really make you want to pick up the phone and make you want to spend 30, 40 minutes talking to somebody. I, I just can't thank you guys enough for that and reaching out to those fans because Texas, Texas is a big state. It's its own state in a lot of ways, its own country in a lot of ways. And um, I grew up home a native. And so when I went off to Nashville, I wasn't abandoning heritage of my roots. I was just doing what I was told to do it when you're 20 years old and you know you go off out there and you try to sign some big record deal and you listen to some guy in a suit and and I realized down the road that just wasn't my path I knew I knew I needed to get back home I knew I needed to get back to the ranch I needed to be around my granddad and my grandma because the time was getting older I wanted to get my kids on the horses I wanted to I just I wanted to grow up around my heritage and not give up what I love what i love if that makes any sense you know oh, i i understand yeah and so when i come back here uh 
I'm kind of a newcomer now to Texas radio and Texas has really been extremely embracing us to us. Uh, even today I got word that, um, I'm so blessed, you know, four or five weeks ago, we started out and we dropped our single and, uh, I think it was the last week of September, first week of October. I can't even remember now Dylan Steen out there. And we came off as, as some nobody on, on Texas in the Texas charts, you know, you understanding. Yeah. And, uh, at, at like 197 something 196 i got word today that we're on the cdx traction chart as um uh the hottest moving artist or something i don't know what it was called but on cdx traction on texas we went we went from uh 104 to, to 77 with a bullet this week and 33's wow. played and we're we're ranked number one on on, on the top artists to look for right now top moving art yeah with daddy can see i just got that word today i don't know if i'm phrasing that exactly that's uh that's the place and that's that's because of you guys man you know we put the music there we put the songs we record stuff but at the end of the day you know that's uh that's because people seem to to respond to it we're thankful of course man yeah we're gonna keep on listening and spreading the word <laughs> heck yeah threaten me is a good time i dare you <laughs> uh i he's got a few more questions for you and one i was wanting to know about you is you have great appreciation for those that have come before you uh are there any artists that are making music right now some modern traditionalists that you're big fans of yeah man anybody that's really putting their heart out there and, and, and speaking songs um i'm very strong lover of a songwriter not just an artist you don't have to be a great vocalist to be an iconic name uh christopherson chris christopherson's uh, a known legend for that willie nelson uh john prine towns van zandt these guys were, were legends of songwriters a lot of these guys wrote some of the biggest songs we ever known and you're not always the man holding the guitar sometimes you're the guy in the shadows who are writing those tunes and if you can be the artist and the writer to get to do that that's a amazing thing so um there there's a, there are guys like that out there right now you know i i really i every day i you know i kind of root for the for the underdog i mean i've always been that way and so you know i was really happy to see what cody was able to do in the market um and not only the fact that he was able to, to tackle what he's done and sell out concerts play red rocks you know provide for his family like he has uh, he's got he brought along some people that um, my buddy Jeb Brown and them introduced him to his writers uh, like Ward Davis, uh, oh, Kendall Mark, yes, yeah, so um, Alex Moore. Um, those guys are all all sing, singing songs and speaking volumes in three minutes. You know, they're really reaching people on a on a deeper level. You know, it's not just surface anymore. You're getting to the depth and the roots of the situation. Uh, Tyler Childers, those guys. Uh, Zach Bryan, the local guy who's in the Navy, fellow yeah, Navy guy awesome. like me, um, you know, and and they're not they're not trying to chase an algorithm. They're not trying to figure out what's cookie cutter. They're not trying to figure out how to be famous. They're they're playing music that heals their soul, and they're playing music that that honestly they wrote, you know, from a deeper place and a darker place, and they're in, inside of them. And whenever you translate that, I think a lot of people connect to it. So anybody that's doing that currently nowadays, I'm all for, man. I collaborate. Alex Williams, it's a good buddy of mine. 
um, you know, and so there's uh, an, even even going far as to some of the rock bands, uh, the modern Southern rock, Bill Woods, uh, when he lost Rowdy last year, you know, and uh, maybe, in, yeah, and, and so there's there are people, there's a resurgence of, of traditional artists that are really, um, you know, storytellers. And, I, you know, a friend of mine at Death Before Pop Country kind of coined as the Ed Ground Poe of country music. And I took that to heart because I do I do like burning down towns and killing off uh, the bad guys and getting away on horseback and that kind of thing. I think it's cool. But, um, you know, uh, like Tyler Childers, those guys, man, uh, Sturgill Simpson made a big move also. Uh, also hope he heals, you know, from, yes, from the situation. Yes. But, um, you, you know, it's of... – it... Oh, sorry. Have no, I was just saying it's cool. Ten- have you heard of the Tennessee Jet as a songwriter? Yeah, yeah, I have. Tennessee actually played at Jeff's place. Um, and uh, I don't know a lot about Tennessee Jet and every guy, uh, but he seems to fall a lot in the same – it's almost like a south- psychedelic cowboy kind of thing. Yeah. You know, he's got a, a, a Dwight Yoakam physique style about him. Uh, got that vibe. Um but I have not really dipped into his music a ton, but he, he frequents a lot of places we play. It's funny because some of these guys I haven't met yet, but their names are on the same dockets and they're in the same realm. And I, I dig that because at some point, you know, we're all bound to eventually probably run into each other, maybe make another Highwayman album together. There we go. <laughs> have you, have you played up in Nebraska? That's where we're from. I have, I, I played Comstock with Clay Walker. And- oh shit. You, Okay. Okay, my yeah. parents have gone there. I haven't gone to Comstock, but I, I want to. It's cool up there in the sand. I was sitting next to a tour bus with Trent Tomlinson, and Clay Walker walked up to the tour bus. I don't even know if he knows or not, but uh, I had a bottle of Crown Roll. I was dropping little droplets of Crown Cowboy. <laughs> they kept looking up, thinking it was raining, and I and I just leaned back and hide out. But there's, I'll never forget that because there was marijuana plants for miles, and it was my birthday, um, August twenty first. So Trent thought it'd be funny to take one of those plants, and all it was was hemp. It wasn't even real weed, but for but he he ended up tearing one of those plants out of the ground and and uh, and brought it on the bus and gave it to me as as a gift. So I had like well on a plant inside the tour bus a big old water and we're we're playing with about 300 or 400 uh windmills as far as the eye could see yeah. it it was just a whole lot of fields and and uh but the hospitality there was great and uh i just i don't know how many how many pictures i took of freaking windmills <laughs> i'm glad you enjoyed it up there uh one the reason i bring that up is um a little closer to the Iowa border is where we're at in Omaha. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a there's a bar over by us, and you're dropping a bunch of names of guys that that have played there. Like, and I, I was I didn't know if you had played there. It's called Bucks Bar and Grill. They have like Cody Jinks started off playing there. Whitey Morgan, Ward Davis still yeah. plays there. Like all these guys, Mike and the Moon Pies, and I mean, Dallas Moore. Like you have a very like the sound that they that they would like to have and i'm just getting in touch with them i think would be awesome for you because it's like more of a listening room type of bar it just it's awesome and i think you would fit in well up there and, and enjoy it a lot it's a great time well man have them call us we're uh, there ain't a place that we won't frequent all they got to do is just reach out and uh, let me know and we'll, we'll try to get our team on that so 
let me know if there's any way we can communicate after this interview. I can get I can get our guys on it and we can work out because I'd love to come your way one and, and meet you guys in person. And do it, it, you know, I'm a sucker for camaraderie. So any venue is uh especially one we haven't played is is the venue like to visit because as a new fan, a new person I get to meet and uh, an opportunity for us to, to pay the bills as we, you know, keep these, keep these wheels rolling. Yeah. I, I can get you in touch with them. They follow us, our Instagram and Twitter. So I don't know if the owner really knows, like if he, if I walked in, I don't think he would know who I am, but I think he's familiar with our page. So yeah, I can, I can definitely shoot you over their like information for their page and stuff. I would love to see you on the, on the lineup there. Yeah, I'd love to as well, man. It might give us a great opportunity to actually maybe do this next interview sitting next to each other, you know, Dude, and I would uh, love that. talk about the show. Yeah, that'd be great, man. Uh, yeah, we'll get that information as we wrap up here and, and everything. And if I can get out that way, because I do play uh, Iowa and Idaho and, and I mean, Ohio. I mean, I play every every state you can think of. We're going to go to from Alaska to Hawaii. I've been to Australia, been to Road to Spain. Um you know, there's not a place that we won't show up and play uh, if people if people talk us into it. That's all they got to do. You know, I'm uh, matter of fact, this weekend I'm playing in, in Margaret Island in Oklahoma City. I, I went Tahlequah today. Uh, I'll be in Snyder, Oklahoma next week. Um, I'll be in Cushing for Cush Cush Radio Friday. Uh, meet with the mayor tomorrow uh, of our hometown. Really? So. Yeah, and uh, and we're actually going around and getting some support from our local hometown people here in Bristow because we're trying to give back the community here and, and, and bring some economy and puts together some really awesome outlaw country music festivals across the state of Texas, Oklahoma, you know, this region, you know, and get, get smaller towns opportunities to for bigger festivals. I like you know, that. Like, that's cool. Yeah, yeah like White Oregon, you know, and that, that, that that's two things. That gives the opportunity a place to play a new venue so it gives working like myself and whitey and all those guys an opportunity but it also gives the the town a very uh, large boost in the economy and something you know mm-hmm. well last question i have for you is just what have what have been the highs in your career and what have been the lows and uh how'd you kind of overcome those lows oh man uh it's funny because i got a song I wrote that's uh, people compared to Waylon Jennings. I even had a couple of people say they thought that was a Waylon song. They said, what's that Waylon song you sang? And I said, I didn't sing a Waylon song. And said, they go, yeah, you did. It, it called all of these highs are getting me low. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's cool because um, when things are going good, you're on top of the world. You know, you get great news. You get, uh, it seems like that happens in threes, happens in runs. <laughs> where it just keeps getting really really big when you have all those opportunity you're surrounded by a lot of people that are giving you accolades uh it's like winning a a national championship uh or winning a high school football game but after the crowds leave and everything kind of goes back to reality then you kind of you're kind of left with an emptiness from all those highs and that's your lows sometimes and those lows could turn into lulls and for uh for us it was a lot of of self-reflection because I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I, what I love to do, but you know, whenever you're, you're trying to make, make a living doing this for your family and your kids, uh, you have to look at this, you know, 
honestly to yourself is just something that I'm going to be able to, to provide, you know, for your family doing. And when you have to hit that crossroads, that's a hard decision to make because yeah, people, people are giving you a lot of compliments. People are saying, you know, you're the next big thing or you got this great opportunity. You're a great writer. Um, but that doesn't put food on the table. You know, you actually have to tangibly receive dollars to put back in the bank that to pay for your mortgage, to pay for, you know, the dental bills, to pay for your medical, to, to, to pay for that, that Thanksgiving Turkey. And, um, so that's where the lows come in. And whenever you're having a hard time making ends meet, doing what you love, but still have that faith in your heart, you have to, you find yourself in a crossroads and, and ask yourself these questions. Am I doing the right thing for my family? Not just myself, because it's not a, it's not a selfish act at that point. It's, a, it, it's an act that, that you have to, you have to do what's right. And, um, we've been very blessed that, uh, since I broke off from, being from other labels and doing my own thing we've now started to build and grow and uh and and with every everything in life's a roller coaster you're always gonna have your ups and downs but uh, as long as you can you know live on those highs until your next one and stay really grounded to know what you're here to do and uh stay focused to take care of those bills i think i think it all evens out in the end and uh you know it, it pays off, you know, because like I said, people like yourself, uh, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing cooler than someone coming up saying how much you, you changed my life or saved my life in that song or how much I relate to daddy can see and how that means to me. Cause I just lost my dad. Um, they say, you know, last month or last year or 10 years ago, um, that always gives me affirmation. I know I'm doing the right thing. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's not always about monetary value. It's about, it's about what, what moves you and what drives you and, and how much you see that influence others. And, you know, my kids and my wife support me. And so the fact that they do that, my wife plays seven string fiddle on her band. Um, I get to take them with me. So the, you know, that's, that's a blessing, man. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, hey man, that, that was an hour right there. I, I appreciate you taking the time. This, this has been a fun podcast. I really enjoyed it, man. Oh yeah, absolutely, bro. Thanks for having us. Shoot, time flies. You get me talking. Oh. No, let's let's have you back on again too, especially when that album drops. I'd love to come back on and, and talk about all the songs with you. I'm really excited for that. So what when's the release date for that? Well, if you pick up the double vinyl, you'll be able to get to hear all 20 songs right now. We're slowly gonna be leaking these songs out. Um uh, our our sponsors and our uh, distribution company. You know, Orchard and New Day Christian, all of them are slowly putting out. Daddy, I'm talking to ghosts, are two out of the 20 tunes. But uh, we're going to continue dropping singles because we have a lot of music, and we think they all deserve to to get their time the you know, get done. So now through Christmas or January, we keep continuing to drop new songs from the album. I would say we anticipated to drop the digital full fully digital version of the album in January, but it looks like we might be pushing that even towards the end of February or March to get more single opportunities. But um, if you want to get the music now, the best way I can say is to encourage you to get it is to go to a record store, follow us on Spotify, follow us on, on uh, Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, because we're going to be announcing 
where you can pick up your very own double vinyl. And if you're really excited about handling the entire project and all 20 songs, pretty much now for the next three months, that's the only way you're going to get it. We're going to kind of tease you. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and uh, if you don't get one of those in your hand and you don't try to track one down yourself, you're just going to have to wait with the rest of the world until we drop it digitally in probably March or in February. Okay. Well, hey, we'll be keeping an eye out for those singles that are getting dropped and make sure we let our followers know about them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll definitely, man, you'll, you'll get a chance. Like I said, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll let you know what you got to do. This uh, record in your hand will chip to you. And uh, at that point, you'll get to uh, you'll get to basically kind of go one through 20 and let me know what you think and how well we did. I Hopefully. appreciate that, man. That, that's nice of you. I, you, don't, you do not have to do that. I appreciate it, though. Oh, man, my pleasure, brother. Hey, appreciate you having us. Yes, of course. And I, I'll reach out to, I think it's Brandy, and get your information so we can hook you up with Bucks. I would love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, because uh, we have to go to Yakima, Washington, and play in August, and we have some other events we do sometimes around Maine stuff. So, I mean, you know what's between Nashville and Washington, right? Yeah. Nebraska. So uh, you might be one of the stops on the way there or on the way back. And we love, we love to bundle like that. You know, it keeps our guys busy on the road and it helps us, uh, helps us make those distance trips. Oh, wait. So, yeah, I forgot to tell you. So you're with like Brandy's your manager. So you're with Curtis Grimes, right? No, no. Brandy is my publicist. Oh, publicist. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Yeah. I, yeah, I actually in the Alpha and the Omega of this operation. I am my own manager, booking agent. I'm wow. my own uh, designer. I'm my own distributor uh, on on a lot of those things. We did find a distribution deal on the digital side of things. We have Orchard, which is basically uh, a New Day Christian, which is basically the same thing as signing a major record deal. So we get the we get to be the cream instead of the coffee now. When they release, we get major playlist presentation. But uh, when it comes to to putting these albums together, I put them together by hand. Um, I did it four thousand times of stickers on there. I put all those on there by hand. So every single record that you receive, I, I put together. I didn't have a, a staff. I didn't have high school kids doing it. Uh, I didn't have employees. Um, my employees consist of uh, you know we have. Me, we have my bandmates who are all all in this with us, um, and then I have Brandy as our publicist. I have Dylan Steen who is our radio promoter, and then I have Hilo Digital who helps us with our, our digital and social media marketing. Other than that, um, I'm, I'm kind of the Willy Wonka of this entire factory. Oh, okay. I bring her up. Sorry, I, I kind of butchered that there, but she also I know works with Curtis. And Curtis Grimes, he he's at Bucks all the time as well. Yeah, and that's and see, I dig that. Not at all. You didn't butcher nothing, man. Uh, it was just placement. She, uh, you know, we really went out looking for a publicist because publicist is what gets you press, what introduces people to uh, our music, like yourself. You know, you have to have somebody sitting there saying, "Hey, I got this great guy, I got this great new music, and I, I want to get some press on him." And that and Brandy uh, has been phenomenal. Um, we talked actually during all this craziness in 2020 and which when neither one of us could make heads or tails of what was going on, but we knew we liked each other. 
And uh, ultimately, you know, you have to like who you're working with. And Brandy really showed admiration and love for the music I was making. She was really excited. She's really excited about the project. I got down with dinner and meet with her and her husband. And it just felt like family. And when that happened, it just felt really natural. So we're, we're really excited to be working with Brandy. And we plan on having a really long-term uh, career. And uh, I guess we'd have a, a longevity in that relationship with her. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. And I, we're looking forward to having you up here in the Cornhusker State. Dude, threaten me. I get the good time. I dare you. Yeah. You know, I'm come, come on up, man. Heck yeah, buddy. I'll bring I'll bring the butter. We'll make we'll make some homemade popcorn. I ain't scared. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, hey, we're looking forward to it, and I appreciate the time, man. I'm excited for the new album. Absolutely, brother. Yeah, and email me or get with Brandy, and she'll let you know how we need to get get that album to you. And then whenever you get that project in your hand, maybe our next follow up will be just a few of the twenty songs. And and I know you had a lot of questions about the project, but I think. Um, if you get an opportunity, if you haven't got to, to get all 20 songs in your hand, and if you are a vinyl nut, uh, there's no better way to listen to music other from than live and vinyl. I mean, I the digital way is great, but whenever you listen to it on and dropping that needle, it's like you close your eyes at that concert. Mm -hmm. uh, you just warmth that you feel in your body. And so I'm really excited to get one of these in your hands since you're a vinyl nut and uh, then yeah. continue this conversation then. Well, hell yeah, man. Well, until, until then, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And if, next time you see your buddy at uh, Dallas Moore, you tell them CJ Garden said hi. And next time they want to write, come on to G-Bar Ranch. I'll let them know, man. I'll let them know. Well, hey, CJ, you have a good rest of your night, man. I appreciate it. All right, you too, brother, man. We made it through the storm. It sounded like it quit raining and hailing outside. So until next time, y'all, I'm CJ Garten here at G-Bar Records, G-Bar Ranch, and uh, be good. If not, be good at it, brother. <laughs> Thank you, CJ. Talk to you later. Yeah.